The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you joined us here on Saturday. Going to give a big shout out to my oldest boy who turns 24 today. He's getting ready to go to work. Otherwise, I'd bring him in here and uh, show him off to you. <laughs> but uh, happy birthday, Caleb. Uh, if you'd like to check us out online, go to Sons of Liberty Media, or excuse me, Sons of Liberty Radio.com or Sons of Liberty Media.com. In fact, if you slide over here to Sons of Liberty Media.com, and you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, scroll down on the right side of the page. We are live the second video down. The first video above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can watch that. You can also take and uh, check him out at 3 p.m. today. He'll be on for two hours. Go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can listen and watch at the same time. And also... If you're right above that, those two videos on the right side of the page, subscribe to the newsletter that we've got. We don't rent your email out. We don't spam it. We don't sell it. We, you just get one email from us a day. It's all the articles we have at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the archive of the show that I tell you about. When I archive the morning show, I archive the video, the podcast, and any videos, tweets, documents, articles, whatever that we talk about, those are in there so that if you say, hey, I want to look look up more on that. I want to share this with somebody. I need to research that or, or look at this or whatever. You can do it and it's all in one place. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate that. I'll tell Caleb you said happy birthday. <laughs> uh, also at SonsLibertyMedia.com, if you go to the top of the page uh, and you appreciate our message, you agree with it, and you have both the means and the desire to support it, there is a donate button there. And again, we don't beg you for money. We just tell you we have a need. So if you would like to do that, there's a donate button. You can give whatever you'd like to give uh, and help support not only what we do on radio and on the internet, but Bradley also goes out around the country, literally, and teaches our Christian and constitutional heritage to all kinds of groups, uh, schools, churches, tea parties, your business meeting. You got, uh, I don't know, some kind of sell street party celebration or whatever, he'll be there, okay? Um, and you can book him 
through sonsoflibertyradio.com. Also, if you would like to partner with us monthly in that, uh, become a son or daughter of liberty. That's also available at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then our store has plenty of shirts, hats, DVDs, um, water bottles, coffee mugs, dog tags, books, videos, all this stuff. And it's tools for you. It's A lot of it's great conversation starters, or you can give them as gifts. And you also help support the Sons of Liberty, too. So we really appreciate you guys uh, and all of your support, whether it's this way, whether it's through prayer, or whether it's just showing up every morning and listening or in the afternoons. We really do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, our desire is that God would use the things that we bring to you to not only draw you close to himself, but encourage you in the fight. We are not here in a uh, retirement. We are here in a fight. And we're called to fight the good fight of faith as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to be equipped for that. Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us that there's God's giving giftings to men in the church in order to edify the body, in order that they might be equipped for ministry. The minister is not the guy in the pulpit, okay? The minister is you and me. And we all get taught. God's given different gifts within the body to teach us so that we're equipped for the work of the ministry God has given us. And he's given each and every one of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ a particular ministry in the sphere of influence where you are. Be faithful with that, and God will reward you for that. I think that's what Jesus is teaching about the parable of the talents. He gives a little here, he gives more here, and then he rewards according to what you do with it. So uh, we want to help you in that. We want to give you the the tools that you need and, and teach you in that. And by the way, we teach ourselves at the same time. That was something that I was saying with Bradley yesterday on yesterday's show. And, uh, you know, we, we first teach it to ourselves before we put it out to somebody else. Now, with that said, um, we don't seem to have Kevin on board here. But what we do is we do have our health and wellness expert, Kate Shimerani, and uh, she was making something. I guess one of her smoothies or her drinks or something. Good morning, Kate. Hi. Good morning. Uh-oh. I'm sitting with the kitchen in my background and uh, I've got a, a blind very senile cat behind me who's <laughs> just decided to use the litter tray that's in the middle of my kitchen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to read. I sent you, uh, you know, hi to everyone that's here. I, I had a wonderful um, recording sent to me by a U.S. Um, veteran, uh, a, a lieutenant in the Marines, and he sent me that wonderful recording that I've sent to you. I've listened to it so many times. I thought it was wonderful. I believe he reads from the King James Version of the Bible. I think I, did you manage to listen to it, Tim? I did. I listened to it barely. Um, but one of the things that I noticed was, was that he, um, he, he, he quotes more than just that particular verse. And I don't know where he went from it because he didn't go to the next chapter. So I don't know where, where he went to. Yeah. It was kind of it was kind of wonderful. I listened to it so many times because it was so pertinent to today. And I just want to read this little one from he- Hebrews seven twenty five. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. And um, and what we what we're seeing all the time, constantly now, is people turning to the science, which is witchcraft and sorcery. And, uh, and it's turned into like, you know, people, 
I, I even heard my neighbors congratulating a delivery man for having this device inserted into his body, that this injection. They said, uh, oh, well done. So it, it's now like uh, something that we've all got to, you know, pat each other on the shoulder for giving up our souls. Uh, in the news now, we've seen um, more and more and more deaths from this Pfizer vaccine. We've seen uh, the government come out and slaughter um, those that are speaking up against it. And and also in the press now, they're even saying that there's 200,000 um Staff within the NHS refusing uh, to have this device, this injection. And whenever the press put a figure out, you can guarantee it's going to be much more than that. They yep. always under under report. And they're saying, oh, we, we're not going to force them because obviously the unions will be out. Yeah, yeah, they will. Um, but they're going to move them from their areas, their clinical areas from the front line and make them wear PP, more PPE gear, which is quite entertaining, really, because it's supposed to be in short supply. And as we see, they all don it for their TikTok dance videos. So now that it's been a, 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 it actually said in the press, a lot of the transmission was within hospitals. So if you're a, a healthcare worker and you can't see it, that first of all, they gave you the rainbow with a color missing. Then they made you heroes. Uh, and now they're going to point the finger at you. And they've just announced in the press that um, nurses are getting the heroes of the front line, are getting a 1% pay rise. Now, first of all, I find it really vulgar to give anyone a pay rise when so many people are using food banks, are losing their jobs, are going to lose their homes. We know that hospitals are empty. It's a lie. Um, we know that many nurses have been asked not to speak about it. And we know that they're taking um, discounts. Uh, they're getting freebies. Um, not all of them are in on it. Lots of them are kind of starting to speak out and they're doing it very quietly. They're worried, but a lot of them are. And um, I, I, yet again, I've had testimonies. There was one that was sent to me and it was a young woman who clearly from her symptoms had acute, um, um, acute appendicitis, which would have been in the differential diagnosis. But as soon as she arrived with all the symptoms, they did a COVID test, said she had COVID-19 and wouldn't operate, said it was too risky. They operated approximately 30 hours later, at which point her appendix had ruptured. And she knew this when she later read her notes. Now, that woman's likely to have lots of adhesions later. I don't know what her age was, but if she's of childbearing years, that could certainly affect fertility. So what if she'd have died? That would have gone in as a COVID-19 statistic when it really wasn't. The, the good old lying liars of lies, the BBC, have actually come right out and said to the public that if you die after testing positive for COVID-19 and you die of something else several months later, it will still go in the statistics. So it's all kind of coming out. Um, and yet they're pushing ahead with this this device, and they're pushing it to get it. And I've even seen nurses on social media and on different channels saying, oh, it's safe. Well, if you're telling the public that it's safe, you're a liar because it hasn't gone through the stringent safety trials. Uh, we've been told that it doesn't cut transmission, right. but it doesn't stop infection. You still need to wear a mask and you still need to social distance. So you are indeed a liar and you are complicit in possibly genocide and you will stand trial. So, um, you know, to just go out there and, and, and use your registration to spread lies and misinformation. But at the moment, as we know, the, the NMC is corrupt. Um, so 
if that's what you're doing, you'll be held accountable. We're keeping score of all of it. Oh, I saw a, a video of a police officer actually telling a member of the public that they were possibly transmitting an asymptomatic because they didn't have a, a mask on. And yet her colleague was standing next to her getting a cappuccino with the mask underneath the nose. I mean, it's crazy, bonkers. All common sense has gone out the window. Um, you, you actually had on the show Dr. Adil, Dr. Mohammed Adil. Yep. Dr. Adil is back in Pakistan where he was, you know, deemed a hero and he's working in Pakistan. And they've come up with all, even more charges against him with the GMC. And um, this just shows, this is a, a surgeon in the NHS for over 25 years. And this is what they do when you speak the truth. So no one can get any service anymore. Uh, um, Dr. Corbett and I, we always, we're great friends and we have great arguments. Dr. Corbett was a senior nurse lecturer. And, um, and so he's kind of still in that vein. We, we talk about the British Nursing Alliance, which we're in the early stages of setting up. And, and how this will run. And, and I keep saying, oh, get that out of your mind. It's not going to be anything like what's there already because you can't be on this unless you've done a module in dietary healing, unless you've done a module in how to actually assess a patient. Because the nurses that are there now, it's, it's not a, a healthcare system. It's not a healthcare system at all. People aren't getting treated. Uh, they're not getting what they need. And it's just madness. I saw... Um, I saw a patient refused to be assessed by a doctor for a wrist injury because he wouldn't wear a mask. I mean, really, that, that doctor, who would want to see him anyway? Because if he thinks that dirty rag across his face is stopping anything, should he even be working in the capacity of a doctor? Absolutely not. Uh, but that's kind of what's happening. We just see the same old, same old up and down the UK. And, let me, um, let, me, let, me interject, get... let me interject something here. Um, we, we've got somebody talking about uh, some of the military. There's somebody in the military, and they're they're trying to force them to take the the, the shot here uh, in order to get off the ship. Well, I would I would submit tell that young man to tell them no. I'll stay on the ship rather than take that shot. Um, this kind of stuff is against the Nuremberg Code. They're not supposed to be using these experimental things without the person's consent. I don't care if they're in the military or not. Now, I've got a couple of videos here of things that Kate is talking about. And one of them comes from, and by the way, I have the setup for Kate, the cam deal here. I don't know. Is Dr. Corbett coming on? Uh, he's meant to be. I'm okay. not quite sure All right. what's happened. Well, I, I got it that way so that we can have them broken up because sometimes Dr. Corbett, his microphone picks him up when he's affirming what Kate's saying and it keeps switching the thing. So we, we like to have them both together. But here's a video that Kate sent me. Now, it's very short. It's like 10 seconds. And you guys listening my way of the radio, you'll be able to hear th this is the... Um, I forget the guys. The, the, the woman is from the BBC. The guy is from the National Institute of Health or whatever it is. I want you to listen to what she asked him and what his response is, okay? Here it comes. So you're saying tonight that a COVID patient won't be turned away, but the result of that decision is that a cancer patient may die. Yeah, that, that's as black and white as that. Now, pay attention to that. Pay no. attention to what, what was just said, and my button is stuck again. She said, we're going, no COVID patient is going to be turned away. People that recover almost 100% of the time, and they haven't even proven that COVID exists, okay? If you don't believe, we're going to have uh, Dr. Kaufman back on um, later this month, I believe it is, and we're trying to get Dr. Thomas Cowan to come on with him because 
they were up against people like uh, Dr. Judy Mikovich, uh, who was on the um, pandemic. And, you know, they disagreed on these things of whether they've been isolated or not. And Dr. Cowan does a great job of explaining what isolation actually is and what people like Dr. Judy Mikovich and the CDC and stuff, when they claim it's been isolated, they're not isolating that. They're, they're still, they're bunching a bunch of stuff together that has similar genetics to what they claim SARS-CoV-2 is and then say, oh, see, we've isolated, but they haven't done that. And they haven't done that with several alleged viruses as well. That's in, that's in the history also. But here's the, here's the guy from the health services over there in the UK. And he's basically telling you, and we had uh, Mike Freeman on, Kate brought us him on Thursday. If you didn't see that interview, he and his friends went down to the local hospital, just like Debbie Hicks did. And they just videoed. They weren't causing a scene. They weren't breaking things. They just showed nobody's in there. Nobody's in these hospitals that they're talking are war zones and so busy. And what happens? Well, they, they're told you haven't broken the law. Then after they go home and everything, the police show up, come take their laptops, take their computers, tell them they can't talk to one another. They can't like stuff on social, di- uh, social distance, social media. They can't have any of this kind of stuff that's just plain liberty and they've committed no crime. And, uh, and, and then there's this part here. Kate mentioned the TikTok videos, and we've seen that with the nurses and doctors. Now we're getting, you know, we're getting the cover up for that, Kate. I don't know if you saw it, but they, they come out and they say, oh, well, they were doing that for morale. Well, okay. When did they have time in the midst of all this overrun of their hospital, you know, with all these COVID patients? Now, Kate sent me this. You can tell people where this is. I'll show the video. Tell people where this is going on, Kate. This is the police, okay? Where's this taking place at? Oh, this is in the island of Jersey. And they're practicing. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, but we pay their salaries and we're paying them to do a dance. I'm absolutely disgusted. And as for morale, first of all, I'm a dancer. I did ballet till I was in my 20s. Then I did belly dancing. I didn't have the belly for it. And now I'm learning flamenco. I would say that I'm a fairly good dancer. I always did really well in my exams. You have to do a lot of practicing to be so, so, so rehearsed as what they were on those videos that those nurses did. So they must have had a lot of time doing the practice. And if we'd have done that, we would have been disciplined, certainly dismissed if you'd have carried on doing that. It's a disgrace. And to wear the PPE gear that they were all squealing was in short supply. And let's just remember one last thing here about the nurses. And I don't care if you think I'm having a pop at you. Good. If you feel bad, it's because you feel guilty. That's how it works. But, you know, the fact that the nurses are now saying and the doctors and the people in the hospitals, they don't want the vaccine. If they were really seeing a pandemic and people dying and dropping like flies, which is what's being said, and they're not speaking out against it, they would be clamoring to get that vaccination, clamoring to get it for their families. But they're not. They're refusing it. So clearly, they know it's a crock. Well, I believe that's the case too, and I'm glad that you you're keeping up. Sometimes you send me so many stuff, I can't I can't keep up with it because I got other things coming <laughs> in. But I do pick up on stuff like this because to me it shows their hypocrisy. It shows the fraud that they're committing, and they've been doing all of this fear. These are the same guys doing their little two step dance out here on the uh, on the island who who come in. 
in herds to, you know, bully people who were simply out walking on the street or standing on the street or even speaking out like you guys were doing down uh, Downey, Downey Street. Is that what that is? You mean when I was chased by hundreds yes. of police officers, <laughs> yes. and they've now caught, they've now, sorry, my dog's guarding a biscuit. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> a chihuahua guarding a biscuit in a bed, and the blind cat's trying to get past him. It's like, it's like crazy. I'm just going to lift the blind cat up here. It's completely blind with one eye. Excuse me. <laughs> um, you know, you know, it's ridiculous the way it's, it all goes on, and I did laugh. Um, they printed my my uh, address in the Metropolitan Police's um, newspaper, so it's gone out everywhere. And all these charges and the very advertisement that this came out with was two of the fattest cops on this advertisement: a big fat police officer with a huge gut, a big fat backside of a policewoman that was this wide, and then a slim slim younger cop. I mean. Is there not a code here where you, you, they at least need to be athletic enough to chase after someone? I, I just find the whole thing an absolute disgrace. It's to, a total disgrace. People are wearing a mask because they're frightened of this boogeyman when within 10 minutes your mask is full of the bacteria that causes pneumonia. And then they're overweight. They're eating at McDonald's. And, I, 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 you, you know, I just... My people shall die through lack of knowledge. But, um, you know, when I see all these police officers doing their dance routines, it's not funny. You look pathetic. We're not, we're not amused anymore. We don't even find it funny. And the police themselves, any relationship that they had with the public is now being damaged so much beyond repair. And the sad thing is there are some really good cops in there that joined for all the right reasons, but now they're employing all these young young in the Met, they've cut the training right down. And they're just out there like the Keystone cops. And knife crime in the capital, every time you look, there's somebody else been stabbed. You know, all the, all the kids are all stabbing one another. We've always had a problem in, with knife crime in the cities. But, you know, Sadiq Khan, Genghis Khan, as we call him, that he walked away from um, some people who were asking him um, about the lockdowns, etc. last week. So this is all, it's just all madness. Uh, it's absolute madness. So when I see vaccination centers and they're empty, and then I see testing centers and they're empty. And then when I hear people that work at testing centers, and I heard this from one of them, they're not allowed to uh, tell anyone or if they have a positive test uh, and they have to be very quiet because they don't want it to know. The police do not carry the track and trace app. And um, I know a police officer that I was supposed to see, she tested positive for COVID-19. And so does that mean that the entire office and all the people she worked with and everyone that she came into contact with and every prisoner that was in there, were they all tested? I doubt it. We asked for that information. They weren't going to hand it over. So it's just hypocrisy all everywhere. So how can the public, the public have no respect when they see these guys on full pay dancing when they see the nurses whining about a one percent pay rise when the hospitals are empty um it's just you, you know dr corbett's on his way incidentally he'll be on in a minute but it's true the seeds of destruction are are already sown in there 
And who are going to be the victims out of this? <laughs> they are. They're being set up and they can't see it. They're being set up and they're all being given the vaccine as well, all the police. You're all going to be, you're all going to be sick because they're already doing the, um, the cohort of 90 people age 18 to 30 and giving them SARS-CoV-2 at the nostrils. You know, once they release that, they're just going to get so sick and probably, just like Judy Mikovich said, millions of people are going to die. And it's going to be all of them. You know, I I just did the interview with uh, Dr. Lee Merritt. Now, I sent you the interview that Alex did with her. And uh, we did one yesterday. We're going to air it Monday, folks. Lord willing, Monday, uh, Dr. Lee Merritt will be on the show. It'll be pre-recorded, but it'll be there. By the way, if you guys have a question or a comment, feel free. I'll try to watch the chat as best I can. But if you want to call in, 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. We're going to have her on and you know she take i think she takes pretty much the germ theory uh approach but every everybody no matter if you're a germ theory or terrain theory medical person you all come to the same conclusion if you eat well you help build up your immune system stay away from the vaccine those are the things you do have in common and um and i think she appreciates a lot of the stuff that uh that dr kaufman has brought in and other people like yourself who have who have pointed out this stuff? She was brilliant. In fact, people are gonna. I'm gonna send you the interview. People are gonna be amazed because I got into the five G stuff. This lady is very very knowledgeable in that because she was a uh, uh, in the in the Navy and her father was uh, a doctor and things. And she could speak on that. And she said, you know, there's a lot of stuff here. And then she yeah. spoke about the shark squalene and uh, the the and and I'm sitting here going, you've never talked to Kate, have you? And she goes, no. And I said, this is the stuff Kate's been saying for a year. That I know, probably maybe longer, but this is at least the stuff that, that got the gangsters at yes. the NMC <laughs> suspending my license, and and I've resigned, and now they've got a court hearing. I ain't going to it because why do I want to be part of a crooked organization that's trying to bury the truth? In other words, they're complicit in murder, which is what I've said to them. So yeah, it's all it's all there, it's all there, but it will all come out, and who's Who's going to be left standing, basically? Yeah. Well, here, here's here's the thing that, that I brought to her. I said, you know, it, it seems to me it's very apparent because uh, we talk about, at least in the States here, and I know you guys don't have that, that there, but in the States we have something called the Constitution. Now, according to the people, their social contract, they said this is the supreme law of the land. Now, this is not the supreme law of the land. The law of God is the supreme law, okay? But they're acknowledging it, so I'm going to use their words against them. And the, the, the Constitution does not have any authorization for a propaganda arm of the CDC or the FDA to put out fraudulent information. And they have put it out. We've got fact checkers telling us, oh, they didn't inflate numbers. Yes, they did. We can go back and show you where they inflated the numbers and then they dropped them down. I've got Dr. Dr. Deborah Burks on video saying from the White House, yes, we're counting all deaths as COVID. Doesn't matter if they had COVID or not. They, she said it. So there, these people are liars. They're they're caught in their lies, and instead of just admitting the truth and repenting of that, they want to shut people down who are calling out their lies. That's exactly what's going on. So when I when I spoke with with Dr. Merritt, and we're going to do another interview on Tuesday um, for Thursday. Uh, one of the things that she talked about near the end was the mask issue, and she's done a whole talk on this. And I don't even know that Dr. Merritt's a Christian, but she said, this comes right out of occult rituals. This is satanic in nature, uh, that they wash their hands, they put a mask on their face, 
and they stand six feet apart. And so she said it's been banned everywhere it's come in. And uh, part of the problem is, is the people don't know this stuff. Now, Dr. Corbett's joining us, and I don't know what's going on with the video there. I guess his is loading up, uh, and we've lost Kate's video for some reason. Uh, okay, there's Dr. Corbett. I'm putting poo in the, bed, in the toilet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me see if we can get uh, the gallery on here and get me off of the page, because nobody wants to see me. Um, so let me hide me. And bring in Dr. Kevin Corbett. Good morning, Dr. Corbett. Good morning. Mm -hmm. Glad that you could join us. And uh, uh, you look like you've been out riding your bike, maybe. Yeah, well, I've been riding the bike and parking the car. And <laughs> okay. So All sorry right. about being late. I got stuck in the car. And, um, it was a smart car, and I'm not very smart. So. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, we're glad that you joined us. Now, we've, we've shown the video of the police officers dancing. We've uh, shown the video of the BBC interviewing the health guy who, um, who, who said that basically they'll take all the COVID patients, which apparently they don't have that many of. And I'm sorry, if you got cancer, you're just going to have to die of cancer. Uh, you got anything you want to chime in on in that? That's kind of where we've been. Um, the things that are being pushed over in your, you guys country. You got anything you want to chime in with that on? Just to say that everything now is geared to COVID. So every time you present, every time you turn up at a, a clinic or an ER or anywhere, any facility, everything is seen in terms of COVID. So um, any condition you have, any symptoms, everything is run through the COVID filter first. So um, I don't know if Kate's mentioned this, but we had a case this week of a young woman who had clearly had uh, signs and symptoms of acute appendicitis. That was the true diagnosis, but they went through a 30-hour delay because she was seen as a COVID case and told she was a COVID case. And then they looked through that propaganda and realized, oh, She's got acute appendicitis. Can I ask I mean, a question about that? That's something that Kate didn't say. You, you're kind of reaffirming what she said. What, what exactly were the symptoms that she had that they said related to COVID? They just did a test when she arrived at the hospital. Oh, okay, okay. And she had, uh, she had a very, very high temperature. She had acute abdominal pain. Um, she had all of it, the rebound tenderness, very specific. If you do a blood test then, it would show a very high um, white cell count. Yeah. So it, these are classic signs. Mm. And appendicitis in young women, often young women will present. Yeah. And when you, you ask about their <laughs> menstrual cycle, you have to, when, when the pain is just kind of in the side near the waist, it might be what's called Mittelschmerz, where they are ovulating. And often that can be, you know, because that can be very painful. And then once they've ovulated, the pain then will go, it will go across the abdomen just above the pubic bone and be very tender. And that's because you get this fluid collects in the pouch of Douglas from where the follicle bursts out. And it can set up a little bit of uh, irritation. As time goes on, you will get very localized pain over the area of the appendix rebound tenderness where you press and it's when you release they get this typical pain it's very 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 classic dr corbett will say that it's it's one of those things that it's very it, it, a differential diagnosis very quickly becomes 
100% diagnosis. So they literally did a temperature on her arriving and it would have been raised. And they mm. said it was COVID. Mm. Okay. So they left. They said they couldn't operate. Too yeah. dangerous. Okay. She could have died. Okay. Yeah, and the COVID. reason for that, Tim, is that COVID has infiltrated all the thinking. So that some of those symptoms overlap with what they call COVID. But COVID, the concept of COVID takes over the diagnostic mindset and completely excludes everything else until they realize, luckily, that this young woman does have an acute appendicitis. They don't operate quickly. They shouldn't have left it so long. And if you, the longer you leave it, the more risk of a, a peritonitis, which is inflammation of the peritoneum, which is life-threatening, even in young people. Seriously life-threatening condition. You don't want peritonitis in any patient, I can tell you. Very difficult to pull back from. And if that young woman had developed peritonitis as a result of her delay, then undoubtedly it would have added to her legal case. At the moment, she would have a legal case, I would imagine, if she took a case, took a legal... But if she'd have died, uh, there wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have gone to the coroner. Because if it's a COVID death, the coroner doesn't need to be informed. So this is one young woman that created a lot of noise, asked to see her notes. She wasn't told that her appendix had perforated. And as Dr. Corbett will confirm here, just because, you know, she's she's, uh, recovering, she hasn't got peritonitis, the fact that she's had a ruptured appendix means she's at high risk of adhesions. And what that means is where your organs all begin to stick together and you get scarring inside. And this can later cause problems with the bowel, with the bladder, with fertility. This has oh. a long-term effect. So, so what you have now is this woman was able to speak up and demand to see her notes and saw that it was a, a perforated appendix. What if that had been someone else? How many people have died because of absolute negligence and they've gone in as COVID deaths, the coroners don't need to be told, and it's a bag, tag, and burn. Because I would lay money that there's thousands that we don't know about that have been misdiagnosed, had poor treatment, and they've died. These individual cases are very important to drill down into because they give us, they're like a a cross-section of what's happening every day with every patient in the NH, in the National Health Service. And I would say in all health services within the States and the United States, you've got exactly the same infiltration of the diagnosis, the way that diagnosis is made, has been infiltrated by this COVID mindset and completely corrupted and bastardized. It's bastardized, it's corrupted, it's infiltrated by a mindset that's quite evil it's not scientific. There's no medical science behind this. It's pure propaganda. And this is what's killing people. Last year, in April last year, the government acknowledged that the, the, the lockdown and, and the, the way the lockdown propaganda was working has made 200,000 deaths in the UK as a result of the lockdown alone. That was the first lockdown. So you add it up. There's hundreds of thousands of deaths because of the lockdown and because of the way this propaganda is working. And that's the UK government's own statistic. It's not made up by 
you know, a conspiracy theorist or some person without any understanding. The government document in in April 2020 that said they estimated, it's only an estimate, so it's undercounting 200,000 deaths due to lockdown alone. That's a huge statistic. And that's due to, as Kate said, with this case, people being misdiagnosed, wrongfully misdiagnosed as COVID deaths, when they're not COVID deaths, people being delayed in their treatment pathways because of COVID, all sorts of ways people's diagnosis has been slowed up, cancer diagnoses aren't being made, people with conditions like COPD, asthma, all sorts of chronic conditions are being mislabeled and are being slowed in their care pathways. So they're not getting through and they're not getting the treatment they need. This causes all sorts of death statistics and all sorts of what we call morbidities as a result, uh, comorbidities or collateral morbidities, they're called, as a result of lockdown and propaganda. So these one, one individual cases are very useful to drill down and look at it in cross-section and see what's happening at a micro level. And then we need to pull back and multiply that across the population to see the huge numbers of fatalities and illnesses caused through this corruption, this bastardization of medical practice. Okay. Now we've got, <clears throat> Kate, you said that there's some things that are not being treated Obviously, this this lady with the appendix, they had all the information there, <clears throat> excuse me, but they didn't treat her properly. So seems to me she's got a malpractice case there somewhere. Uh, but there's other things that you're talking about, Sim- uh, simple things that I know in the States, you know, lots of people have it, varicose veins. Um, and you, you say that they're, 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 that's not being treated now. Is, is that what you're indicating to me? Nothing's uh, all the clinics have stopped at the moment. So unless it's essential, uh, you know, they're closing all the clinics. Um, and when you think that think that breast cancer diagnosis clinics aren't happening, that, you know, the breast cancer diagnosis has gone down. And yet the traje- trajectory for breast cancer over the last 20 years is just rising every year. It's rising. And now they're saying it's gone down and it hasn't, of course, gone down. It's just that these patients aren't being diagnosed. So by the time they do present in the system, possibly with secondaries or tertiaries, you know, tumors in their liver, their bones, their brain, and they'll have lots more symptoms or even a tumor that's broken through the skin. And then you've got the risk of um, infection and sepsis. These patients are not going to survive. Their, Their chances of surviving are so slim of even getting to a couple of years. And then, of course, we know then that, um, you know, once the diagnosis is, is more advanced, then they're, they're not for resuscitation. They're not going to be treated because they're out of the one through nine, the critical frailty score. Six is someone who needs help with washing and dressing. Nine is someone who's terminal. And that terminal diagnosis doesn't mean they're going to die next week. It can be up to 12 months up to 12 months. It's a huge portion to call someone terminal. Um, but those patients then aren't going to be treated. So something as simple as varicose veins, they've actually stopped doing a lot of the operations anyway. And the, these patients, so what you can actually do to really help yourself with varicose veins, and I never, ever hear 
the nurses in these clinics giving out this information, they just don't. And why don't they? Because they don't know it. Because they're not nurses in the true sense of the word. They are the eugenics program nurses. They are big farmers nurses. They're not nurses who will reverse disease. So for patients that have got varicose veins, the first thing that you can really do to help yourself is to lose weight. That's the mm. very first thing. And that's going to make a huge difference. Elevating the legs at night above the heart. So if you're on the sofa and your heart is here, get some cushions and get your legs really nice and high and get some good venous return. Then you want to really be eating a high fiber diet in countries where they have a very high fiber diet. You don't mm. see varicose veins mm. and varicose veins in the legs and hemorrhoids. These are all a backlog in the liver. Your liver is the site foreman. All of your systemic circulation, your blood in your body, goes through the liver every three minutes. And your liver's job is to clean it and to get rid of toxins. Well, if you're continually pounding your liver, it can't do its job. And you're going to increase the tension in there. And all this has an effect and you get these varicose veins. So first of all, you want to be taking away that burden. Stop eating toxins. Stop breathing them in. Stop eating toxic food. Stop eating food that's covered in all the, if this is all the same. Do you notice it's all the same? We're all connected. So stop eating pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Think about all of your synthetic estrogens because those synthetic estrogens are going to hijack the binding agent that your thyroid needs to convert your cholesterol into the youth-giving hormones, pregnanolone, progesterone, and bile acid. That mm. bile acid helps digestion. It also helps to further convert your thyroid hormones into the active ones. So if you're eating synthetic estrogens, that's anything with an aroma as well. So all your cleaning products, all of your um, pesticides, herbicides are synthetic estrogens. When you're eating, you're drinking loads of milk. Um, that's for a cow. It's to make a baby cow grow into a big cow. Um, so you've got to think about all these things because they're all going to compound it. So a good high fiber diet, have some juices, eat everything with a skin on it, potatoes, apples, um, brown rice. Don't be having loads of pasta. Eat a natural diet. Also try and put your food into a window of maybe four to five hours. And the rest of the time, Try and just have some apple juice or some apple and carrot juice and do a little bit of fasting. And then you can do the wonderful, wonderful coffee enemas. I read in the paper recently, because they are indeed the lying lies of lies, idiots. It was the independent stated that I had said I cured myself of cancer with mistletoe injections and coffee enemas. I mean, first of all, I never say that. Um, cure yourself. And also utter idiots, but coffee enemas were in the Merck medical manual. They were used in the First World War for pain, but they are the best way to detox the liver. When your liver's functioning, you're going to have less of that tension. And you're, all of these things are going to improve. Remove the burden and then clean the liver. Um, it's I got a, a question about that. I, I got a question about that because I, I was thinking about that when you said uh, you used those <clears throat> when you had the, the back pain the other week and it began yes. to alleviate imme immediately, why is that? I mean, look, 
Don't want to be gross here. When I was a kid, I had to have those. I had to have, not coffee ones, but I had to have the other mm -hmm. ones. So I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. But but at the same time, why does it why does it alleviate pain? I, I don't understand how that happens. What is it actually doing besides you going to the bathroom? What what's actually happening there with a coffee enema versus I don't I don't know a regular enema that you might get at the the Walgreens or the Revco or whatever wherever you're at. It relaxes the sympathetic nerve okay. nerve system. That's what it does. The sympathetic nervous system. It relaxes it. Um, remember all your modern painkillers. They don't actually remove the pain. They just interrupt that mm. that little nerve response. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Corbett's new on the coffee enemas. I've been doing them for for nine years. Maybe you should ask Doctor Corbett. The um, the Gerson book uh, by Gerson, Doctor Gerson, on treatment of cancer through um, detoxification does talk about this as an important effect of the coffee enemas on his series of cancer patients that it actually dealt with the pain incredibly well and the patients would 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 love the enemas they would look forward to the enemas because it topped up their pain relief very much like you know the way that people are told that morphine does this, but this is a non-allopathic approach to control of pain, which is to do, as Kate said, with the parasympathetic, sympathetic, and the different nervous systems and how it affects the internal uh, dynamic. Now, Dr. Corbett, we, we've got no some side effects. Yeah, we, we've got somebody in the in the chat room that says, well, I drink coffee all day. Yeah, but we're talking about putting in the other end. Now, can you explain to people... What the yeah. difference is from, from drinking the coffee rather than taking the enemas? I'm sure Kate could support this, but, but the difference is when you, when you have an agent administered to you rectally, rectally PR, through an enema or through a suppository, it is very much like an intravenous injection because the, the lining of the rectum is only two cells thick. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's right, two cells thick. And therefore, it is like giving you an intravenous injection. You bypass the gastrointestinal tract, so you bypass the stomach. You can take a tablet, it's got to go into the stomach. It's got to be um, absorbed through the stomach lining. That takes a lot longer. Rectally, it's a lot quicker. It's very much like giving an intravenous injection. And many countries and many cultures use this already. For example, if you are in hospital in France, the majority of your drugs are given rectally in suppository format or through enemas or suppositories or through liquid format into the rectum directly. And there's no problem about that. It's cheaper, it's more effective, and there's less side effects. Of course, there is this mindset about how we think about our bottoms and our rectums and what we use them for. And that's a cultural issue to do the acceptability of treatment. But, I mean, if the French can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, the French are internationally known as a very sophisticated um, culture that everybody wants to emulate. You know, um, the ladies would like to have French slimline um, figures, and the men would like to, to be like the French men because they're always – tall, dark, and handsome or whatever. I'm being stereotyping here. But, but you get my picture here. 
you know, this how we di- how we approach the different treatment modalities, intravenous, um, pill format through the stomach, or rectally. Often it's cultural, it's sociological how we deal with it, and uh, we have to overcome our you know um, some of our inbuilt cultural um, concerns about these ways of administering drugs. We want to be effective and we want to do them relatively cheaply and safely. And undoubtedly, rectal administration of medications has a huge history way back to the Egyptians and before, and it's been very well documented. And it was very interesting reading the Gerson book, uh, which came to me through Kate. She told me about this book and I bought it and I've researched his work. And it's it's incredibly interesting to see how these uh, coffee enemas have been used over the years. They were in the Merck manual. They were part of our accepted pharmacopoeia for a long time. And then, of course, because the influence of big pharma, these ways of dealing with health were taken out of the picture and were obstructed from view. So people wouldn't know about them in the same way. But I've now met in the last year Lots and lots of people who treated themselves uh, for cancer with Gerson therapy. And, and it's very interesting how all this is under the radar. It's not advertised. All you hear in relation to cancer in the mainstream media is chemotherapy. And that's pushed down people's throats. There are other treatment modalities and there are other ways of dealing with it. And the effectiveness is there. And I think this is what we're talking about at the moment with the COVID health service, the COVID Nazification of the health service, as I call it, where everything is COVID. You're seen as a COVID case until proved otherwise. And this is, this is the destruction. This is the end time for allopathic medicine now, I think. This is the, 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 it's the nighttime of allopathic medicine where it's going to be put to bed. It's had its day. And hopefully, we're going to make sure that in the morning, what emerges is a new form, new forms of treatment. And this is already happening. It's been happening for a long, long time. Right from the 80s when I was involved in AIDS care, people were doing different treatments. They weren't following the antiretroviral drugs. They were doing different alternative treatments that were very effective. And these are the people that have lived, in my experience, And the people who followed the allopathic methods with HIV drugs were the ones that died early or died late. Yeah. Died after 10 years of metabolic disorders. There's another Um, question. There's another question here about uh, when, when taking these, these coffee enemas, what is the recommendation of how often to take it? It, it, Can it, can it, if you take it too often, is it, can it actually be damaging to you or what would you recommend somebody that I guess is relatively healthy, but maybe they're wanting to deal with uh, with pain or maybe even go to the extreme that somebody who has cancer or something like that, what would be a recommendation? Right. And again, folks, I just want to make sure we, we start this the show with this on the screen. This is for information purposes only, okay? So yeah, sure. you do with I it what you want to do with it. People would need to look at the di- – I mean, Kate will talk about this in depth, I'm sure. The difference between if you already have a diagnosis of cancer and you decide not to go down the chemotherapy route, and you go to a treatment like Gerson, then you would need to have some guidance. You need to have a, a therapist that you're seeing or help, that helps you with it. Um, 
And there's different treatment modalities depending on if you're you're treating condition actively or you're doing some sort of maintenance therapy, like a health promotion therapy. Maybe Kate could talk about I think one has to be very clear here. Dr. Gersten's Gersten therapy is a therapy in its entirety. If you're cherry picking from it, you're not going to get the same results. And I see this often that he tried many, many times in his book. These weren't just random things. He did many, many experiments. He had many failures in the beginning. He lost lots of patients and he almost gave up. And When he puts each of the things into his therapy, the supplementation, they are medicines. They are to kickstart the metabolism because cancer is a metabolic disorder. It's failure to generate an immune response. So if one wants to choose uh, the Gerson therapy as a therapy, then it, you really do need to be guided. Now, I, there are times when people cannot afford a, a therapist. They can't do it. I myself, did the first eight weeks from a book and I found it easy and, and I could read blood tests, but I did find a therapist later. And, um, you know, so, so if you can't, then I have seen people survive by doing it, following a book. I've also seen many other people survive who didn't do the Gerson therapy, but they did something very similar and they would all, they all had the same underlying principles, remove the burden from the liver and replenish the body. And then they added in other things that might kill a tumor. This is all there. But of course, we're not allowed to say cure in the UK because you go straight to prison. Uh, Under the 1939 Cancer Act, you can go straight to prison for three months. So we're not saying that. But uh, there are treatment, there is a protocol for patients with non-malignancy who can Mm. do it just to clean up. But There is a general principle with Dr. Gerson, and it's for every three juices that you do, eight-ounce juices, if you wanted to do three eight-ounce carrot and apple juices a day, what that's actually going to do is it will flush toxins from the cell. That's how it works. You do one enema to every three juices. So if you were doing nine juices a day, you would do three enemas. And that's kind of the principle. I did five enemas. I did the 13 juices. And I can honestly tell people, if you read Dr. Gerson's book, I went through every single one of those side effects. I had blisters all over my skin where I was detoxing. I lost 36 pounds in weight in a very quick period of time. Kate, do you, I, want, you guys want to hang over for a, a couple of minutes? Yeah, mm, sure. Okay. All right. You guys at Red State Talk Radio, have a great weekend, a great Lord's Day. Uh, Lord willing, I'm going to have uh, the, the interview that I had with Dr. Lee Merritt on Monday. And you don't want to miss that. That is full of information. This is someone who hasn't talked with Kate or Dr. Corbett or anything. And she is reaffirming all the stuff that they've said over the past year or so. And uh, till then, see ya. Okay, I want to welcome anybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio to the video platforms. Uh, thank you for joining us. And guys, thank you for staying over a little bit. I know your time is very valuable, but... I got to tell, I got to tell you, every time you guys are on, it's like anybody else uh, that I have on the show. I'm not really having them on for the people who are listening as much as I'm having on for myself because I learn a lot uh, from all of this. And uh, somebody's trying to call Dr. Corbett there. (laughs) But uh, I I love it because I learn, I learn things um, along the way. So Kate, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if you want to jump in and kind of finish your thought on that, that'd be great. Yeah, so so if you're doing um, if you're doing it to detox, 
uh, yeah. you, you, you could have, have one. <laughs> Kevin's turned his microphone off. You could have, like I say, one coffee enema to three juices. It does flush, to- flush toxins out of the cells. I um, y- Many years ago when I was doing Gerson therapy, I ended up chatting to a girl in a restaurant that we used to use all the time, and she had terrible eczema. She was a teacher. And she decided she would follow the principles. And she did. She started juicing. And she started doing the coffee enemas. And she, I believe she was doing two a day, one in the morning, one in the evening. And it only took about six months. And all her eczema had completely gone. And she'd had this for years. And remember, the first place that you're going to see a buildup of toxins on is your skin. Your skin is literally going to show you what's going on inside. It's so interesting. Um, so I think... I think, yeah, you know, to say, oh, this is it. Our bodies can handle it. Our bodies can handle it. We don't need to. We don't need to do things like that. We're living in such a toxic world. That's why I'm Kate Shemarani, natural nurse in a toxic world. We we see toxic air, toxic food, uh, toxic water, toxic toxic thoughts. Mm. Um, even even listening to, um, I'm going to name her because. You know, Beyonce, some of the words in her songs are satanic. And this is all filth that's going in your head. And we, we have to take a time to, to stop all this toxicity. We have to say, I'm going to limit as much of it as I possibly can. Um, and I'm going to give my body, my, my temple, um, the vehicle that I was given to, to experience this life in, a time to heal. That's actually Beata Bishop who did the Gerson therapy. She was a BBC correspondent. She wrote a book called A Time to Heal. Mm. And she had, she had melanoma. And then she had a recurrence of melanoma. And they wanted to amputate her leg at the thigh. And she followed the Gerson therapy. She's still alive today, over mm. I think 25, 30 years on. And she wrote a book with Charlotte Gerson, which was the Gerson book, which we've all got the Green Gerson book. And she wrote the wonderful book, A Time to Heal. Please get that book. Because if, you know, when I had cancer and I was doing Gerson, I ordered all these books because it really spurred me along to do it. And I can tell you right now, I've seen so many from when I was diagnosed and people said I would die. And the oncologist even said, oh, I've heard coffee enemas are dangerous and they can kill you. I said, I've heard cancer's dangerous and oncologists can kill me. Um, so, you know, um, all of these patients, I've seen so many, even one of the nursing sisters on the ward where I had my surgery, they're all dead now. They've all died. They've all followed allopathic route of being pumped full of cytotoxic drugs. The clue's in the title. They're toxic. That's why they come in a red bag and the nurse has to wear several pairs of gloves and aprons because they're so toxic. They're pumped into your body, making your liver even more toxic. But they don't tell you how to flood your body with nutrients. Um, And they don't tell you the things not to eat. Just a word of caution. If you have indeed done chemotherapy, this is something that you um, you have to be very careful when doing the Gerson therapy. It is a therapy and you can only do a modified version of it because you're going to release all of those chemotherapy agents that are still in your body and your liver all at once. And Dr. Gerson found that when that happened, it can put you in a coma. So that proves to you right there and then that this is not some Mickey Mouse thing. 
food, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. So when you are flooding your body and your cells, and Dr. Gerson also put in his therapy potassium. And what we find is sodium, which is in all foods, all processed foods, and everybody has masses of it. They have sodium chloride, actually. It goes into the cell and it pushes out the potassium. So the cells become completely waterlogged. And then sugar in your natural foods in the presence of oxygen that you breathe generates, boom, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. That can't happen because the cell is completely waterlogged. So the the juices are potassium rich. And then Dr. Gerson adds in the potassium compound to displace that sodium back out the cell so you can start generate energy at a cellular level. It's the most fantastic therapy. And what's really nice for me about uh, Dr. Corbett, we have some great discussions and arguments, good arguments. You know, we, we do because Dr. Corbett's always coming at everything because he's a senior nurse lecturer. And of course, I'm coming at it from, coming at it from I was the patient. So we come at it from different angles and we lock heads, but then we always come to the same conclusion. But, you know, what, what, what you're seeing here is, is, you know, these patients will typically stay always. The first thing they had was energy. They started to have energy. And, uh, and even the oncologist, when I started doing this, he said to me, oh, you've been having a lot of salt. And I said, no, I've had a salt-free diet. But you see, th- this is not taught. So you have patients entering the healthcare system. Well, we did. Now it's the COVID system, not getting anything. And um, they're not told, don't have salt. They're not told any of this. So it's like, it's like shoveling snow in a snowstorm. You're never, ever going to get a clear driveway. So while you're bombarding these patients with cytotoxic drugs, making the liver more toxic, increasing that toxic yeah. burden, but then you're giving these patients, uh, telling them to eat whatever they want and keep their weight up, and they're having sugar and salt and alcohol. These women that are having alcohol and no one's telling them that it switches on the breast cancer gene. No one tells these patients not to have fluoride because fluoride displaces iodine from the thyroid gland. It's the biggest promoter of disease in the human body, lack of iodine. And the reason this is, is we've got this topsy-turvy system now, which we call healthcare. When it's not, it's the hospital. So no one knows how to heal a body anymore. No one knows how to reverse disease. No one wants to know. It's not in any training. They don't want it in any training. They want you only to be a pimp for the pharmaceutical company. So forgive me, nurses. You're not worth 1% pay rise when everyone else is losing their jobs. You're quiet. You shouldn't have any pay rise. And you're certainly not a nurse in my mind. It's not nursing anymore. You're just minding the sick and making sure you pump more drugs into. And I know in America, when a patient goes through the oncology system, even when they're dying, they're still pushing as much of these chemotherapy drugs into them to get the insurance. That's exactly what happens. Let's, let's, you know, take the mask off here. We don't need to lie about it anymore. I don't care. They can't touch me now. I'm not on their rubbish register. But this is what it's about. It's not a healthcare system. It's to benefit the pharmaceutical company, it's to benefit the government, and it's to benefit the medical industry. It's an industry. 
Yep. Kate, one of the things I want to do Kate, is I was um, trying to look this up, a, a Time to Heal. What was the lady's name that you said? Because I'm going to put the link in uh, for the archives yeah, later. Beata, Beata Bishop, B-E-A-T-T-A, Beata okay. Bishop, A Time to Heal. I found the it's book. It's just, it's just book. it's just, it's just labeled yeah. by Bishop, uh, apparently. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, honestly, okay. if you have cancer, the last thing you want to be surrounding yourself with is support groups with people with bald heads and wigs talking about their disease, keeping it real. You want to be reading books about people who've reversed their disease and they're alive and well 20 and 30 years on. That's who you should be. You shouldn't be running any, you know, 1K, uh, sorry, 12, 10K races with a pink wig, baking cakes, drinking coffee, and all sitting there going, yeah, yeah, Cancer Research UK. The, the, you know, the devil's in the detail. Cancer Research UK, it spells crook. They are crooks. Um, so surround yourself with good food, organic food. Start looking at how can I reverse disease? Start looking at why am I sick in the first place? If you don't find the root cause, you won't get well. And, you know, it's, it's such an industry. And now, of course, they've even whipped that from people. So they're not diagnosing people. They're not treating people. But they're not. There's, there's this huge void in the middle now where they're not being treated over here, but they're not being given any advice either. They're just being left. Mm. So um, this is, you know, this is like, like Dr. Corbett said, this is the end of the crooked allopathic quack system because indeed the doctors the allopaths were the quacks that it was the satire of the century that the allopaths the treatment would kill you and the naturopaths the disease would kill you so this is the end of that system and dr corbett knows that i'm i'm champing at the bit to get a new system going here and slot in to that void. And I believe we can do this. I really believe that there is a demand for it that's going to grow. The people are going to trust us. They don't trust the doctors and nurses. People are afraid. People are now afraid to go to the hospitals. So it's not just stay home, protect the NHS. It's avoid the NHS at all costs because it's going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, you know, somebody in the chat says, Jesus is all you need. And I agree with that. But what does that mean? This goes back to things that we've talked about before. I shared this with uh, D. Manny Mitchell. We're going to have her back on with uh, Kate and they work together as well. And D was able to. What's the word we want to use here? Reverse her cancer. That way we're not using other terms. D. Manny Mitchell is incredible. Yeah. You know, she's but, but, triple negative breast cancer. Triple negative. But, is but let me let me make a point here that if people didn't hear the interview, I read to her from Genesis chapter one. Now, she she's not a Christian. Nice, very uh, wonderful person to be around. Very knowledgeable, too, because she had to learn this stuff because she went through it. But I read to her Genesis chapter one and I said, does this have anything to do with, and you know, her, her I watched her on the zoom and her face was changing. People mm -hmm. couldn't see it until she answered, but she was like, what? And she goes, that's exactly what I used. And then she talked about the cannabis, which is the seed. It's a seed bearing plant too. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're being told by our governments, no, you can't have that. That's illegal. You know, mm -hmm. th and these are things that God has given his people 
whereby they can take care of themselves. I've said it over and over and over again. You go back and you read the law when God gave it. And he said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. God does not want you choosing death. He wants you to choose life. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're choosing death, that's your, you know, mm-hmm. you're just flying in the face of what the creator has given you uh, to take care of yourself. So I, I just wanted to kind of put that in. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to try to have her back on here very soon. Dr. Corbett, do you want to, do you want to give kind of a last word here and we'll close out the show? Well, I think what I'd like to say here is about expertise. And we hear an awful lot about the expertise of cancer chemotherapy doctors. You know, in the UK, we've got these great big leading institutions that have mega billions behind them, Royal Marsden Hospital and all all sorts. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say the names, but they're all out there in the public domain. I hate them. Say it. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is when you listen to Kate Shamarani, a natural nurse in toxic world, and you listen to the expertise that she has developed, and it's an expertise that has come through a critical view of allopathic medicine. You know, and I wouldn't say that Kate is anti-allopathy full stop. She's critical, very critical of its outcomes and of its promises. And that initially led her to think differently about how to treat the diagnosis she was given. Um, This is going back 10 years now, I think, nearly. Nine years. And that scepticism, that critical analysis that she had, which didn't come out of some highfalutin university, it came out of her... Her training as a a clinician, her nurse training, and also her common sense and her ability to sift the evidence and to look at the inconsistencies in what she's been given. And she was told she'd be alive at a certain time, at a certain date, a 20% chance of survival at, at five years, something like that. And she looked at that critically and she looked at other, other treatment modalities and made an informed decision and through that 10-year experience because she doesn't use the c word she says she's treated herself so many other people have done similar but if you take kate as an example there she's taught there in depth it's like cutting through an onion or cutting through a tree you can see the rings you can see the maturity you can see the expertise there laid bare And that is not an expertise that's given to you. It's something that you generate and you develop through your own critical thinking and through moving forward and getting on with things. And it's not something that's given to you. You're not a passive patient. You're an active participant. And you're active. You actively create your own treatment. And that's something quite different to the allopathic model where you're a passive recipient, almost like a, a, a um, you know, a, a mouse in a cage or a, a rat in a lab or something, a lab rat. And, and that's, that's the change here that's been happening for at least 40, 50 years. If not going back to, I mean, Gerson started in the 1930s, 20s, 30s. And, you know, this has been going on for a long time, let's say at least 100 years, you know. And this now has come full circle. We're now at this COVID era, which is the dying throes of allopathy, I think. 
the the hegemony of allopathy, the 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 stranglehold that it's had on healthcare is now being exposed and being released. And we will build on all the other models out mm-hmm. there that are already people treating themselves or being treated by non-allopathic healthcare models, and it works. And this is what's going to be in descendancy mm-hmm. now. It's going to emerge into the open much more, going to come out from under the radar and become very much more apparent what's happening. People are not going to go to the hospitals and to the primary care centers, to the ER departments. They're going to move their, you know, they're going to move their consumer power into other models of healthcare. And this is what's been happening a lot in the last 56 years. But I think now it's going to happen even more because as Kate said, you know, now we've rebred this 19th century feeling in this country where the hospitals are dangerous, you know. We've been told to keep away from them by our own government, but that has actually bred a fear and a suspicion of the allopathic health services now, and that's taking root big time. People are not going to come back, and they're going to find other therapists. They're going to find other models of care, and they're going to find therapists like Kate Shamarani, and there are hundreds and thousands of others in the UK now who have been going for a long time going to become more and more apparent and this is the shift that's going to happen even more it's been happening for a long time as i've said but i think this is going to accelerate him now much more into the public domain i think so too especially as more people gain more and more knowledge about it you know i was thinking uh you know when things begin to change uh, what what people do we can go to the bible we can find the woman who had the issue of blood she had spent all her money on doctors. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Mm. And they admit that she just got worse. She just continued yeah. with it. But yeah. she went to Jesus. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she had enough faith in him. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And the Bible says mm. that the instant she did that, she was made whole. Jesus turned around and it, it's not like he didn't know who touched him, but he goes, who touched me? I felt the power go out of me. And he told the woman, your faith has made you whole. I think of Naaman, the commander of the army of King Aram, and he had leprosy. And he went to the man of God, Elisha, and he, he says, what do I do? And he says, go down there in that dirty Jordan River and dunk yourself in it seven times. Now, you would mm. think he's got a skin condition. Why am I going in a dirty river? That doesn't make sense. And yet when he did it and he went down the seventh time, he came up, he was made whole and God healed him in that. I don't want to make it that the water had something to do with it. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But even if it did, it was because God knew what the guy needed. But I think it was a supernatural healing to see if the guy would be obedient. The point is, is that there are there are measures where people can be treated, even if they have mm-hmm. what the world tells them is going it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I think God has put within the creation those things that can make the body whole. And so I'm glad that you guys are sharing your knowledge. Uh, as Kate said, you know, hers comes from the situation of the patient. Uh, and here she was a nurse. Uh, she's trained in all this other stuff. And yet she has to question, well, wait a minute. What have I been doing all this time? I've seen the results of it. And now I'm faced mm-hmm. with it myself. Am I going to go down that road that took the lives of all these other people? Or am I going to look elsewhere to see if somebody has had success in a more mm-hmm. natural kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind well, of medication? I think also what, what this is talking to is this issue of mm-hmm. where nursing and healthcare has become pharmaceutically driven. It's been driven by vested interests. 
So we've moved away from nursing as a therapy to cure people. And, and this is what the founders of nursing, professional nursing, understood very well, like Florence Nightingale. She was never keen. She actually did not support state registration of nurses. So she did not support the government controlling the profession because she thought nursing was a vocation. It was an informal profession. It was informal in the sense that it was vocational. It wasn't something that the state should regulate. And I think this is behind her understanding and her vociferous denial of allowing the state to register nursing. When, they, in the, when, when Florence Nightingale set up the Nightingale School, very soon after, government decided to regulate nurses. There was this move to regulate nursing in the UK. And Florence Nightingale would not support it. And nobody could understand that because they didn't understand her philosophy, which is similar to Virginia Henderson's in America, similar to a lot of these nurse leaders like Patricia Benner, the academic. American academic, they were very interested in the vocational, um, intuitive understanding within nursing that's been, it's been leached out, it's been hemorrhaged out of nursing. And we can see this now where nurses are just, modern RNs can be just little more than caretakers, they're caretakers and they're pill givers. And that's all they are. They're not doing anything to cure to heal, to, to use nursing as a therapy, you know, and um, a therapy in itself that's apart from medical practice. It's something today that's integrated into medical practice, almost like a technical function, you know. But they're not even good technicians because they don't have the understanding, they don't have the mindset, and they don't have the vocational element that makes a, a, a sophisticated nurse yeah. and they are machine minders in intensive care units and and the rest of the healthcare system to some extent to a greater extent i'd argue today you can see this they are just caretakers and we we, we know this because there's been very few nurses in the united kingdom who've stood out during this covid situation who said it's wrong who've come out about the do not resuscitate orders, who've come out about the withdrawal of medicine and food and water to patients. This hospital, as Kate Shamarani calls it, this frailty assessment that's being forced on people in hospitals and care homes that really is a genocidal uh, intervention when you look at it objectively because it, 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 it ends in un un documented and hidden deaths yeah ascribed to old age or conditions that pre-existing but actually are due to inaction or negative action on behalf of healthcare professionals and this is what i would argue and this is why i came off the nursing register last year because i could see this coming i i saw this coming about from february last year and i knew that to speak up about it, which was, which is what I was going to do, would get me into a lot of trouble. But now I can speak freely. They can't stop me saying what I'm saying. 
And I'm not alone in this. Lots of other people have spoken up. Amen. We do need more doctors and nurses to come out about this. Amen. And yes. say it's wrong. I absolutely agree. no good agree. just sitting on the fence saying with the vaccinations, the injections, the, the experimental injections that call vaccinations. No good saying people must have informed consent. You know, because a lot of what doctors and nurses are saying, they're not saying the things are wrong. They're not saying the injections are dangerous. They're just saying we need to give people the ability to have informed consent. But if you haven't got the information, the truthful information to begin with, there's no good having informed consent because you're being lied to. So it does start with people telling the truth to begin with, and then you can push for informed consent. If people are not being given the truth about these vaccines and these these injections, then, you know, there's it's a lie to begin with. And here's a... A letter I've got from the National Health Service. I'll put my name, keep my name off it. But there's the letter. All through this letter, it's about booking my coronavirus vaccination. You know, nothing in this says anything about it being an experimental injection that hasn't been properly trialed, that has negative side effects. Nothing in here. It's all about you've got to have it. It's like an advert. It's like a, a propaganda sheet. It's nothing to do with consented ethical medicine. This well, and it it's probably put it probably disgusting. Yeah, it probably pushes and, that it's safe and effective too. So it's it, it's yeah, it's a total fraud. He doesn't fraud. even say that. And when you go to the leaflet, as I showed you on the last show we did last weekend, the leaflet says we don't know if it works. So so. Here you've got the government writing to people like me, patients, saying you've got to have it. And the, the, on the other hand, they're saying they don't know whether it works. So they're pushing something on you that they know it doesn't work. Mm. So that's not ethical. That's actually like this book, Doctors of Hell. <laughs> this is a very interesting <laughs> book. Doctors of Hell, the horrific account of Nazi experiments on humans. Well, we don't have to read this. We're living through this now. We're living through a modern-day example of what happened in Nazi Germany with the um, consent of the people. There was nothing illegal about Nazi Germany. It was all legally done through acts of parliament and through consent of the population. And this is where it starts, Tim, with individual people. They've got to say, no, I'm not going to mask. No, I'm not going to be forced to have an injection just so that I can travel and have a passport. Amen. This is all wrong. And it starts with individuals saying they're not going to accommodate it. Yep. It's morally, ethically wrong. And it's also wrong spiritually. It's wrong in terms of if you're a Christian, certainly in terms of having um, injections that are developed from aborted fetuses, which is where a lot of these cell lines started from originally. And, you know, the, the companies have had to admit that when somebody put on Facebook a video about the, the Pfizer vaccine saying that it was developed from aborted cell lines, there was a fact checker that came on to the Facebook when you were looking at the video. And it said, well, the company has has admitted that the initial cell lines were developed from aborted fetuses. So the, the video was right. There was nothing uh, conspiracist about that video is absolutely true. But 
They did then said, but the fetuses weren't aborted for the vaccine. Yeah. So, well, they, know, they were aborted for social reasons. Yeah, there's you know, a couple maybe of they didn't want like, <clears throat> sex of the baby or they didn't want another baby. There's a They're couple of things, Dr. Corbett. Their own bodies. Yeah, there's a couple yes. of things, Dr. Corbett. Let me let me let me chime in right quick. We, we've got the deposition of this guy, Plotkin, and the people can watch the entirety of it where he admits all of this. But let's mm. let's take let's take it. OK, yeah, the the the. We don't, I don't even like call them aborted. They're murdered children. That's what they are. Murdered, and it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. if they, they're murdered or if they died naturally. If they're taking them and putting your body, you know, the Bible warns about cannibalism too. It, in fact, it, yeah. it, God says that's a part of the curse when people eat their children. And yet yeah. we've been having stories coming out where they're, uh, who, what kind of sick mind comes out and says, yeah, we'd like aborted, you know, children cells. And to use this flavoring in our colas or in our Doritos or whatever. Who I thinks of this stuff? You know, Sandra Bullock was talking on that Ellen mm. DeGeneres show, how mm. she was having a derma roller. And I know what a derma roller is. It's microneedling. And she was talking about having the foreskins of male uh, fetuses. And they roll that foreskins into their face. And she was talking about this on air. And mm. so those foreskins, they're also in vaccinations. Why? Why do we need... It's sick minds. It is, it is utterly sick minds, and it is a part of the curses of God. Go and read Deuteronomy 28. It's in there. It says you will eat the fruit of your womb. And mm. I can tell you that God meant what he said because all of those curses that he promised Israel, if they abandoned his commandments, he brought on them in AD 70. We have Josephus who recorded it. That the, the city was laid under siege so much for so long. The people were starving. The, the women were cooking their children. And the smell drew the other people in to where they were fighting over the flesh of this baby. So we haven't gotten to that point, but we don't need to. They're already sticking it in and stuff. And we're saying, Man, it's just fine. You know, I got to well, I I have my whatever. The, you see, I think where we are with this, Tim, is this is the end stage of this mindset, the scientific mindset that you can control and engineer everything and that, that basically thinks it's like God. We're, you know, man's thinking it's like God. They're like God, these scientists. They're like God. They're even writing their own initials in the DNA of the genetic yeah. code, according to Carrie Madder. I was reading that the other day, and I can, I can see what she's saying there. That this idea that you're all powerful, that science, you know, faith in the science and technology is the new religion. And it's very misguided and it's ending in situations like this where murdered, you know, children, body parts are being used. You, you see this all the time. There's been so many research reports about China where, you know, forcible um, taking of organs. Um, all, all sorts of things are are being generate body parts for markets, basically for organ markets. And in China, there's been lots of reports from China and externally about how this has happened without people's without people's um, without people's consent. 
So this is forcible um, cannibalism, really. In yeah, a way. it is. It is. I know you got to take a call or something there. Uh, let's yeah, let's sure. go ahead Sorry and close out. That. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine because uh, we've run over a little bit, and we thank you both for giving us your time, Kate and uh, Dr. Corbett. As always, Saturday special K. How's that? Um, that's what today is, and uh, I hope everybody's gotten something good out of what's there. You know. <clears throat> Someone said in the chat, it's last days. Okay, look, I don't know. Jesus didn't know when he was here. But I know this. We have to continue to occupy. That's a military term, because why? I said it yesterday with Bradley. Jesus has bound the strong man. That's the devil. He's given us the gospel. And he said to go out and to, and to share it. That is all of what he has said in the scriptures. And so, guys, if you want to, if you want to defeat the devil... If you want to defeat those who are opposed to you, who are trying to kill you, trying to enslave you and stuff, you've got to fight against them. And you fight against them with the truth of the word of God. And so when what Kate and Kevin are sharing, even though it may not sound like it, it's tied to the word of I believe that it really is because it's a, a large majority is tied to the nutrition, the things that you put into your body to take care of it. The temple of the Holy Spirit is what the scripture says. It is to take care of it because you have a job to do, and that is to glorify God in all things, including the distribution of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which saves sinners from their sin. Now, with that said, you guys have a great weekend. Again, 6 a.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. We're going to have Dr. Lee Merritt on with us and then <clears throat> Dr. Kerry Midday on Tuesday. And then hopefully what we're going to do is bring in Dr. Lee Merritt again on Thursday for this mass talk. And just from the little bit she gives us in that interview, I think this is going to be fascinating because they're censoring it everywhere it goes up. So you don't want to miss these things. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday.